today we are continuing our uh, series in the Psalms, and we're looking at Psalms 43. Um, so let's, let's read the text. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For again, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Father, we are grateful, so very grateful, for the saints that have gone before us, that have struggled as we have. And by your Spirit, You've caused them to write it down. And by your Spirit, you've protected it. So that we could read it and be encouraged. I pray that we would be encouraged this morning. And that Christ, you will prove yourself strong. It's in the strong name of Christ we pray. Amen. So... The dark night of the soul. Anybody been there before? A few times? Maybe you're there now. It will plague some more than others. But you can rest assured your number is coming up. David and Elijah had several of these. They had several instances where they felt they were all alone, that God had abandoned them, and he was there the whole time. And let's not forget about Job. That that whole book is about the dark night of the soul. (laughs) The dark night of the soul can make us either doubt that God really does love us, It can also make us doubt his word when he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It can mess with our emotions. It can mess with our minds. Now, about this psalm, it's believed, it does say the sons of Korah. Uh, There's a little bit of division. Uh, It's not like people get in fistfights, but... Uh, it's believed that the sons of Korah put it to music and David wrote it, or this is about David's struggle. Uh, It's also believed that 42 and 43 were one psalm and it was divided for whatever reason. But today we're only looking at 43. Um, So if if you haven't experienced dry times, or, or times that you feel God is totally silent. He's hidden from you. You will. Um, it, it will happen. 
And it, and it may be like we see today. It's of no fault of your own. You, you didn't commit some heinous sin. You, you're not chasing after sin. You're not rejecting God. You have no idea what is going on around you. I've been there, and I'm sure some of you have been there as well. I think that the church in general does a really poor job in preparing new Christians for this. So if you are a young Christian, if you are a new Christian, get ready. <laughs> it's coming for you, baby. Um, so, you, But you need to know that. Sometimes God will draw away from us so that we press in. This isn't a zero-sum game. In the American church, we do not like to admit when this happens, right? We don't like to admit that because we know exactly what we will hear. Let me give you a list. Have you let go and let God? Have you been reading your Bible and praying every day? Have you repented of secret sins or maybe sins you don't even know you committed? Are you listening to Christian radio or that secular demon music? Have you claimed the promises? Have you eaten Chick-fil-A today? Now, as funny as some of that sounds, uh, sometimes some of that list is the case, <laughs> right? We have neglected spiritual disciplines, you know, we have been chasing after sin. And so we shouldn't be surprised if our faith grows cold, right? We've been doing our own thing, and all of a sudden we don't understand why God seems cold and distant. But sometimes none of that is the case. Sometimes you, you know, you are doing those spiritual disciplines. And sometimes you're just persecuted for who you are, for whatever reason. And again, sometimes God just pulls back and makes us come to him. So let's look at the text. Verse 1, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. So here, clearly, um, David is under some sort of persecution, and he's pleading for God's hand to deliver him. Have you ever been wrongly accused? Have you ever been unjustly mistreated? Was it for your faith? How'd that make you feel? Did it make you feel alone, like you needed Christ to come in and save the day and be the hero? It's good for us to do that, to ask God to defend us. It's a lot better to do that than to try to prove how right and good and righteous we are. You know, try to, we're going to take matters into our own hands. If you notice, David goes to God. He doesn't reject God. He doesn't give up on God. He cries out to him, not at him. 
He calls on God to deliver him. He doesn't take matters into his own hands, which many times is something we do, isn't it? We like to do it ourselves. Sometimes we feel wronged and we lash out. But that's not what David does here. He was like Christ, who trusted himself to the Father. And Christ was crucified. But Christ arose. (laughs) Verse 2. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He's confused and depressed. I mean, he's, I think a lot of people would say he's experiencing clinical depression. If you notice in this psalm, there is no confession of sin. He's truly innocent. And he doesn't understand why, since he has made God his refuge, why his enemies are pressing in on him, causing his depression, making him mourn. Now, many times when stuff like this happens to us, we like to go moralistic. What do I mean by that? Have you ever said something like this in passing to God? God, I serve you faithfully. And this is what I get? Really? I don't deserve this. Like God is some cosmic Coke machine in the the sky, and we can just put our coins of good deeds and prayer in and select whatever flavor we want and get it out. That's That's not how God works. That's not how God works. Now, who in the is there someone that this reminds us of? It does me. When we're when we're thinking about treating God like the big pinata in the sky, and we can just whack him until we get the candy we want, um, it makes me think of one guy in the Bible. Look at Luke fifteen. So this is after the prodigal son has come back. And the older brother's like, is that a band? What, what's going on? And he finds that his older brother is back. And he's not just a servant. Because in that culture, he could come back to the family, but not as a son. He could come back as a servant or a slave. But you don't get another inheritance. And the father does what? What? He gives him an inheritance back, and he strikes up the band. So this older brother walks in, and he's not a happy camper. And he says to the father, look, these many years I've served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you gave, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours Yeah, you hear the accusing tone of that? But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you've killed the fatted calf for him. So this brother, this older brother, 
he's had the Father. He's been with the Father the whole time. He's been with him the whole time. He sees him every day. And he can't see it. Do you think a son, dads, pretend, if you don't have a son, pretend you have a son. And you got like, like you're rolling. You know what I'm saying? Like you got, you paying the light bill. You know what I mean? And your son comes up to you and he's like, Dad, I really want to throw, I want to have a party for my friends. Yeah. Let's do it. Right? That seems like such a, like what dad in here would turn his son away and go, are you crazy? I ain't buying pizza for you bunch of nimrods. What dad would do that? So this son has had the father, and he's never simply asked. And look at the father's response. Son, you were always with me, and all that is mine is yours. And we know that the Greek translation for the word all is all. Thank you. Um, The older brother had all the resources, all the blessings, all all of the joy of the father right there. And he couldn't see it because he was consumed with doing the right thing. Never enjoying the father. He couldn't see the Father's love for him. And he had the Father right there. Has that ever been you? Because I can tell you it's been me. But unlike the older brother, David is saying, God, I love you. I am running to your arms. You're my everything. I'm safe with you. You're all I have. Why? Help me understand. Defend me. He's doing his best to rely on God because who else can save him? Let's think about the words of Christ here. John 10. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. See, that's the kind of confidence that we can have when everything in us and around us seems to be falling apart and on fire. He's got you. Verse 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. This this verse 3 reminds me and points us to two other verses. John 8. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. 
what else do you need in the dark night of the soul other than light? When every, you can't, you can't see. You need a light. There's a lot of different quote-unquote lights out there, but there's only one with a capital L. David is asking for clarity. He's asking for light. He's asking for truth. He's looking for the Christ of the situation. Because truth's not a what, it's a who, right? He needs God's truth on the situation. He longs to go to the temple. Ultimately, what he is asking is to be in God's presence again. Remember, he said that God is his refuge. He's asking to enter that all-soul-satisfying place where he can again not only know the presence of God, but he needs to feel it. You and I don't have to go to a temple to find God. If you are a Christian, you have the God of the universe inside you. You have the Holy Spirit inside you. And, and we can read his word and let him speak to us. And we can pray and we can meditate on his word and let it encourage us. Christ is the light. He is the truth. And only he can illuminate our darkness. He's it. And when he does, then we go to verse 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. For you and I, Christ is our altar. He is our exceeding joy. So we can praise him with everything we have. A good singing voice. Bad singing voice. Any instrument that we can play. Play the radio and play our favorite worship music. But it's going to pour out of us. It's going to come out because he is our exceeding joy. And we, when we recognize that he is God, when we recognize that we are not, <laughs> I can't find my keys. How am I going to be God? When we recognize that he is in control of everything, we can rest. We can rest. Even when it's not clear. Even when our lives are in shambles and all seems totally lost. It's not. He is our exceeding joy. You know, we, Hebrews tells us that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. What if God were one of us, just a slob like one of us, a stranger on a train trying to make his way home? Anybody remember that song? It's a, it was a little offensive when we first heard it, 
But the point of that song was a, someone that didn't believe in Christ, hoping that there was a God somewhere out there that could identify with them. Well, guess what? Jesus, Sunday school answer. Jesus can identify more with suffering than you and I could even fathom. And yet, he conquered it. He conquered it all. And so then we can ask ourselves, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David's talking to his own soul here. He said, come on, man. It's not like a daily affirmation. He's not looking in the mirror saying, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. That's not, that's not what he's doing. That's not what he's doing. He is telling, I need you to listen, he is telling his soul what his head already knows. You can have all the knowledge you want, man, but unless it works its way into your bloodstream, you're dead. You will not have life. You will not experience joy. We can hope in God because there is a day coming when all the trials and troubles of this life, as C.S. Lewis says, will be untrue. I've had several dark nights of the soul. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to make this about me. Um, but I've, you know, the last few years I've lost both my mother and my father. Um, when I was a kid, I lost my older brother. Um, I have had lovely job situations. Um and then I'm a preacher's kid. And so some of the dark nights of the soul that I've endured have been at the hands of the church. Okay? Um, but one thing, one thing that I have learned, one thing that the Spirit has caused me to grab onto Revelation 21. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. It's going to come to an end. And it will be amazing. I don't know what dark night of the soul you're in. You may not be in one. You may make so much money, like you like campfires with it. 
your health, like they could do studies on you. I have no idea. You may not be in one. You may be in five. <laughs> you may have come here today even questioning if God even exists at this point because you're so down, you're so beaten. You just feel like God's totally rejected you. And his word is here to tell you that's not the truth. That's not the truth. Listen to these verses and let them fill you with joy. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Do you catch that? He's interceding for you. Christ Almighty is interceding for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Paul just goes ahead and throws that in there. In case I left something out, anything in all creation, okay? Just so everybody's on the same page here. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He did it. He did it. He got out of that ground. He's not there. You can go find Buddha. He's somewhere. But you can't find Jesus. And that's why we can say with David, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. But when we read this psalm, when we read this psalm, try not to read yourself into it too much. Okay? Think on the one that it points us to. As I said in the beginning, there's no confession of sin in this psalm. Jesus had no sin, and yet he was really rejected. His communion with the Father was cut off so that yours doesn't have to be. It won't be. He was truly oppressed by the ungodly and not delivered. He asked for the cup to pass. He asked for his Father's will. 
but he submitted to the Father. He could have taken up his own cause and defended himself, but he didn't. He was crushed so that you could be healed. He sweated blood so that you could rest. He will bear the scars in heaven so that yours will be taken away. Hebrews 12 reminds us, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ is not apathetic to your pain. He knows it. He really lost communion with the Father, something you and I will never have to face. And deep down, I think you know it. You know it. Look, before I got my current job, I was in a terrible situation. And um, I had a recruiter call me. But about two weeks before that, I never thought I would be in this place. But I literally looked up at the sky and said, if you don't do something, I think I'm going to crack. I think my kids are going to have to come see me in a psych ward. And I never thought I would be in that position. That's the mental state I was in. For those of you that know me, you just were like, what? But as dark as things get, he proves himself strong. He proves he was there the whole time. Even when it feels like your prayers don't even get past the ceiling fan, he's there. He's not silent. Revelation 22 says, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. Send out your light. And they will reign forever and ever. Sometimes I think you try to picture all the stuff in your head, and it's just, it's just too big. And this is where I think story helps us. In, in the Lord of the Rings, it looks, like, it looks like everything is lost. The orcs are breaking down the door, and they're coming to kill everybody. And Pippin, the hobbit, looks at Gandalf, and he says, I, I didn't think it would end this way. And Gandalf says to Pippin, End? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we must all take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass, and then you see it. What, Gandalf? What? See what? 
white shores and beyond. A far green country under a swift sunrise. Well, that isn't so bad, is it? No. No, it isn't. Father, as we think about how you suffered and how you were really cut off and how you endured so much for us that when we experience depression, when we experience persecution, when we experience times where we can't even see past our own fingers, you have conquered it all. And we can plead for your light to shine in our hearts and to allow us to walk by faith. And when we walk by faith, we know that every step is safe because you are guiding us. We, we love you. We praise you. And we worship you now. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen.